God doing awesome things. I mean, just through doing things for people who were not looking for anything in return, and then God ends up meeting a need. You see, we can just trust that He is faithful, and He knows our needs, He knows where we're at, and He proves Himself to us time and time again just to show us how big He is and how faithful He is. Amen? I mean, God has just been doing some amazing things in our church, and that's just one story of many that we wanted to share with you. And, uh, you know, last week we continued on with the That's Not Normal series, and we're going to keep on going this morning with that. Last week I preached a message that I said was unpopular, but I had a lot of people come to me and said, there was nothing wrong with that. (laughs) And uh, so, but uh, before we get into this message tonight, I did just want to make a quick commercial. If, If you... Uh, would like to come to the next move tonight, make sure, sign up and let us know because it's going to be tonight at 6 o'clock. I, I don't know if you saw it in the video announcement or not. Perhaps you came in later. You might have missed that. But the next move is going to be three classes that happen tonight at 6 o'clock. I'm going to be teaching one. It's going to basically be our membership class where I'm going to lead you through the vision and my heart for the church and kind of where we're heading as a church. And that's for people who, are, are, who wish to join the church and people who are non-members alike or maybe someone who um, just wants to check it out. Um, there's no obligation. We don't ask, you know, finger pricks or DNA tests or anything like that. And, um, but it is great to be able to know where we're headed as a church. And if you are a member here and you say, hey, I would just like to come and sit and hear the heart of the pastor, please, by all means, you're more than welcome to come. And uh, then we're going to be having that class that Pastor Teeth is, Pastor Teeth is going to teach. And <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Keith is going to teach. And uh, he's going to teach a class on, uh, on, on our volunteering process. And it's going to be great. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've heard a little bit of, of what he's put together, and it's going to be great. And I know that uh, uh, a lot of you who went to Pastor Stephen's class, the last session, you really enjoyed it. And he's going to be teaching that again on how to, how to study your Bible. So that's really for any level of believer. You know, maybe you've been saved 20, 30 years, or maybe you just got saved yesterday. Maybe you're about to meet Christ for the first time today. Uh, but this is just a great opportunity for us to all grow together because the cool thing about these classes is that they all start and stop at the same time. Now, I know that all of you who went to my class last week, that wasn't true. Uh, or last month, I mean. <laughs> How many of you guys went to my class last month? Anybody in here at all? Yeah, a few of you guys. Yeah, it, it, it didn't end when it was supposed to, but that's okay. Uh, it, it's going to this time because I got in trouble over that. So, But, uh, but it's, it's going to be great. And the reason that it starts and ends at the same time is so after it's all over with, you can get to meet people and you can connect and get to know somebody in church because there's going to be all these people here gathered together just hanging out. We're going to have some food. We're going to just, you know, just hang out and just, you know, do whatever. Uh, just get to know one another and build relationships. It's going to be a great time tonight at 6 o'clock. And make sure you hang around also after service and you go uh, check out all the awesome stuff we got going on for Cinco de Mayo. Um, except the stuff that I wrote my name on that I want to win. Don't, don't, don't mess with us. I'm kidding. Let's pray. After saying all that, don't you think we need to pray? <laughs> God, I thank you for this morning. I just thank you so much for the opportunity to get to share your word and your truth with your people. I pray, Father, that our hearts would just be in such a position where we would be hungry and ready to receive your truth today, God, in such a way that we would allow it to influence and impact our lives and change the way we've thought about things previously or, or open our minds up, Father, just to your goodness and our realization of how big you are. I pray you reveal yourself in a great way today to your people through the teaching of your word and help us to take it and understand it and apply it and do something with it and have the confidence to share it and go out, Father, and see lives changed as our lives are being changed. We thank you for these things in advance. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen, amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible this morning, go ahead and go to the book of Romans in the eighth chapter, Romans chapter eight, or if you're following along on your phone or your iPad or whatever, you can go to the Bible app, the YouVersion app, and you can go Um, in the left-hand corner and search for live and click on live and you can actually search for an event in your area and you'll see this message pop up and you can actually follow along in the notes this morning along with us. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. This is speaking of Jesus Christ here. Romans 8 and verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, I want you to look up here and think about this for just a second. Whom he foreknew, he said he predestined these people to be conformed to the image of his son. God wanted people to be like Christ. He wanted people to be conformed into that image. And so Jesus was the firstborn 
born among many brethren. He was the firstborn. And now there's many brethren and sistren because of Jesus. You see, if we follow Christ, if we believe in Him, if we trust in Him, if we put our faith in Him, He changes us from the inside and makes all things new. And then that begins to influence our daily lives and it begins to change the way we think as, as we allow His grace and His Word and His truth to cleanse us and, and, and to change our thinking and to kind of reprogram us from the way that maybe we have been programmed through our experiences or through things we've taught and learned. And as we're renewing our minds, we're growing in understanding of how big God is. And it's all because of Jesus. He was the first. He was the first one that set the pace, that changed things, that made things different. Because Jesus was the start of something new. You see, he came to this earth through an earthly woman. Now, that was very normal. Because all of us who are here today came through an earthly woman. And if you didn't, I would love to meet you because I'm sure there's a great story behind that. <laughs> Everybody in this room has a mama. And... Jesus was just like me and you. He was normal, perfectly normal in every way. He had an earthly mother. The thing that wasn't normal about it is that she was a virgin. The other thing that wasn't normal about it is that he didn't have an earthly father. He was fathered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, this is getting a little abnormal here. Because you and I came through these normal ways, and Jesus came through normal ways. But then there was a part of it that wasn't normal. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that everything was different. He was born from a woman like any other baby, but his conception was very different from that of any other baby. So let's go to the book of Romans. Let's go to the fifth chapter. I want to show you something here in Scripture. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin. I want you to remember these two words, death and sin. Through one man's disobedience, through one man's failure, the first man, Adam, who God created in this perfect paradise, he disobeyed God, and because of that sin, because of that disobedience, it disconnected man from God because of that disobedience. And because of that sin in the Garden of Eden, death entered into the world because of sin. Listen to me when I say that sin always leads to death. Always. Sin always leads to death. And now what happened in the Garden of Eden wasn't just Adam's sin. It wasn't just this one thing that Adam did, but it actually started a cycle that was repeated throughout history over and over again that we're now born into the system where the new cycle of normal is sin that leads to death. A cycle of sin that leads to death. Always, always, always. So let's keep on reading here. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And check this out. The Bible says, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. The Bible says even the people who didn't sin in the manner which Adam sinned, they're still reaping the results of this sin. We're born into a world of sin, and sin always leads to? Every time. Sin always leads to death. So here's this cycle of sin and death that started in the world. Sin and death, sin and death. And now, sin and death has become the new normal that you and I have to accept when we're born into this world because those are the two things that when you and I arrive on this planet that are absolutely unavoidable, our sin and death. Now check this out. Now the cycle always leads to death was started when Adam sinned. And when we're born into this world, those things are unavoidable. But when we're born into this world, we're children in that bloodline of Adam, in that bloodline of man, of man's failures, of man's sin, of all of the consequences of man's action, of man relying on his own strength, of man doing his own thing apart from God, of man rejecting God. You and I are born into this world, into this system that is a product of the cycle of sin, which always leads to death. But when Jesus was conceived, he broke that cycle of sin when he was conceived, when he was brought in 
to the womb of Mary because he wasn't fathered by a natural man, but by whom? By the Holy Spirit. And he was conceived from a woman that was a, vir a virgin. That cursed bloodline was broken, that conception, and it remained perfect because Jesus lived a sinless life. So that was never tainted. That bloodline was stopped. Because did you know that it's a medical fact that the, the egg that is in a woman before it is fertilized and it becomes a fetus, that that egg doesn't have any blood in it. Blood does not enter into the body until that seed connects with that egg. And that's exactly what happened when, G when, when Mary was fathered. Uh, I mean, when, when Jesus was fathered by the Holy Spirit, when the Ho Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she conceived Jesus then all of a sudden, a new bloodline was started. Something was started there at conception. That's why she had to be a virgin. Because now she, she hadn't been touched by a man. She was pure. Christ had to come through a pure way. He had to come through a way that was untouched by this cycle that had been repeated. This cycle of sin and death. This bloodline of sin and death. This bloodline of failure. This bloodline of all of these mistakes and all of this past. Something new has started. Jesus started so he might be the firstborn among many brethren now jesus was tempted the bible says in every way that we were so jesus had an opportunity to blow it he had an opportunity to fail and to fall just like adam did in the garden of eden but he didn't and because he didn't that blood remained pure and that blood was the only thing that could be the sacrifice that could set us free from this cycle of sin and death he was the perfect sacrifice in every single way. You see, the curse of sin and death was broken at the cross. The curse of sin and death was broken at the cross. This cycle of sin and death was broken at the cross, but it started when he was conceived in the womb of Mary. It started because something new had begun. There was hope that had been planted on the inside of Mary. And now it was disconnected from the failures in the past of man. It was disconnected from what we had accepted as normal, as this cycle. He was disconnected when he was in the womb because something new had begun. And when he was conceived, he lived that sinless life. He died on the cross as that perfect, spotless lamb. And he broke that cycle of sin. Now check this out. Romans chapter 5. Let's just go on down to verse 19. It says this. It says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who is that one man's disobedience that many were made sinners? Adam. Adam was that one man that through his disobedience, many were made sinners. Were brought into this world full of sin because of this cycle that had been repeated. But check this out. So also by one man's obedience. Who is that one man who is obedient? Jesus many will be made righteous. You see, it's through one man's disobedience. He blew it and it messed it up for all of us. But Jesus came and he fixed it. He corrected the mistake that was made in the Garden of Eden. And because of that, you'll look throughout Scripture and Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. He's referred to as that firstborn among many brethren. Something new has begun. It was the beginning of a new bloodline, a new race, a new hope. A new redemption that brought man back into right standing with God. Because no matter how hard man tried, he couldn't break the cycle of sin and death. He couldn't break normal. He couldn't break and overcome it in his own strength. No matter how hard he tried. No matter how perfect he tried to be. No matter how good he tried to be. I said it last week. We never get too good to stop needing Jesus. You see, we always need Jesus no matter how good we may be because sometimes we get to this place in our lives where we feel like we've accomplished something and we feel like we've done enough good that somehow now we've earned God's love and we've earned God's forgiveness and we've earned His grace and we can be reconnected to Him through our works. No, our works, our own righteousness, our own way of trying to reconnect with God, it doesn't make us holy, it doesn't make us pure. The only one who could make us pure and holy and righteous was Jesus Christ because He was pure, holy, and righteous. And now He made a way for you and I to be forgiven. It's because of His grace, it's because of His love that we're reconnected not through our own works amen? amen that's the story of grace that's the gospel message and how big that is but sometimes we don't understand the bigness of god we don't understand the bigness of his grace we don't understand the bigness of his mercy so we spend our lives trying to overcome everything and trying to fix everything and trying to correct everything in our lives in our own strength we try to do it ourselves 
We try to rely on ourselves to try to overcome sin and death, and we cannot overcome the cycle of sin and death without Christ. Can't do it. You will be caught in a tailspin of sin and death, and that is so normal for so many people, even people who are living with Christ in their lives, who are Christian people, are caught in cycles of sin, and that sin is destroying their marriage, that sin is destroying their finances, that sin is destroying relationships, that sin is destroying their credibility, that sin is destroying their happiness and their peace and their joy, and they're in this cycle that just gets repeated over and over and over again. When Jesus is saying, listen, I have already overcome, I've already won the victory, I want you free Jesus wants us free you see he broke this curse he broke this cycle and he wants us to stop trying to fix this in our own strength you see this birth and this life and this death of Christ was the beginning of a new legacy a chance to be free from that sin and death that condemned and plagued mankind since they fell in the garden of Eden but the only way that we can break that cycle is to start trusting in the one who broke the cycle. We've got to trust in Jesus. We've got to trust that what he did was good enough to set me free. And that I am free indeed. That I can understand how to live this freedom and walk this freedom out where I'm not caught up in the claws and in the grip of sin and this cycle that gets repeated over and over again. Because how many of you get sick and tired of the cycle of sin in our lives becoming normal? I guess I'm just going to have to live with this. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this my whole life. And we accept it as normal. We accept it. We accept the hardships of life and the cycle of sin that's leading to death. We go, well, I guess that's just the way it is for me. You know, I, I know pastors preaching this message about forgiveness and grace and all that stuff, and that might be fine for some people, but buddy, let me tell you my story. You don't know where I've been, and you don't know what I've done. And we think that somehow that because of our failures that we're exempt from God's love and God's grace or we're exempt from ever finding hope of redemption or restoration. I just don't know if this stuff really works because I tried this Jesus stuff. I tried this, this stuff that I heard in, in, the, in the Word of God. I tried this stuff that I heard at, at 180 on a Wednesday night or I heard in Celebrate Recovery or that I heard at Grief Share. Or I, I tried it and, and I don't know. And we give up so easily. And we lose faith in the word and we lose faith that the word works. And we lose faith that God is big enough to handle whatever we may be going through. We think that somehow the cycle that we're caught up in, whether it be a cycle of depression, a cycle of anger or lack of self-worth or a cycle of pride or a cycle of some type of addiction, some, some cycle, whatever it may be that we're caught up in that we constantly are beating ourselves up over that we're trying to fix that we're trying to make right we don't understand jesus already broke the curse he already freed us from the sin it's almost like we're sitting in a jail cell and jesus came in and he put the key in the lock and opened the door and the door's flung wide open but yet we sit in the jail cell and he's already set us free and we're looking outside going man i sure hate feeling this way i sure hate being in this prison and Jesus is saying, why don't you come? Why don't you trust me that I've already done it? Why don't you trust that my grace and my mercy is big enough? Why don't you trust me that this cycle can be broken because I've already broken it? I started something new. I'm the firstborn among many brethren. You're one of those that are the many brethren if you're in me. That's what Christ is in there just saying, come, trust me. I am big enough. I am big enough. You know, everything we need is in Jesus. Like five people believe that. <laughs> I said everything we need is in Christ. Amen. Absolutely everything we need is in Christ. All we need is Jesus. So many times we get caught up searching after all of the benefits that Christ gives instead of searching for Christ. We pursue the blessings. We pursue the healing. We pursue that one thing that we're after that we feel that Christ can give us instead of pursuing Christ. And he wants us to pursue him because all of those things are included in him. When you pursue Christ, 
when we give our life to pursuing Him and loving Him and getting to know Him and growing in understanding of how rich and how great His mercy is, it lifts the burden off of my shoulders. It lifts that feeling and that weight off of my shoulders that makes me feel like i got to fix this and I've got to make this right. And Jesus said, no, I already fixed it. You need to rest and you need to grow in my grace and my truth. And you need to trust my word when I say this or when I say that. You need to trust that I really am big enough. Amen, somebody? Amen. Check this out in the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. It says, If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. In other words, don't worry about all these things here. Don't seek after things here. Because those things are only going to bring you some type of temporary relief or temporary satisfaction anyways. We're all walking around with these big burdens on our back and these, these big weights on our back. And we're looking for some kind of relief. We're looking for some kind of release from the stress and the pressure or the unhappiness or whatever it may be. Oh, I'm looking for some type of relief and we're going to try to find it anywhere we can. But all we can do is just zone out enough and just indulge in sin enough to where it temporarily relieves the pressure of the burden that I feel. Temporarily relieves it. Whether that be buying something, whether that be you know, going out and, and hanging out with, with, with friends and just trying to ignore this or ignore that. And, and I'm just trying to do whatever I can do just to get away, just ignore. Maybe, maybe I just need to go just get slap happy drunk because then at least I won't have to think about it. And we just try to run away and we just try to escape. And we're trying to escape this burden. And he says, listen, if you were raised with Christ, don't set your mind on the things here on the surface. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. He's sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, all these things that you're worried about here are temporary. And you died to that. You died to that. When Christ gave himself on the cross, he died to everything here on the earth. And now it's time to set our minds and our hearts on him. Because in Him is the fullness of everything we need. We treat Jesus like He's some type of spice to our life. Look, spice up your life. Find Jesus. He'll make it a little better. I'm doing pretty good on my own, but I need a little salt. Mm, that makes life a little better. We don't need to treat Jesus like He's the salt to our life, to enhance our life, to somehow just make our lives better as we pursue our own selfish desires. He is life. You see, it's all about Him. This whole thing is all about Jesus. If Jesus has been messing me up lately on anything, he's been messing me up on the fact that it's all about him and it's not about me. I've just been getting that message up in my face all the time. When I'm praying, when I'm talking to God, when I'm studying the word, when I'm just having conversation with other believers, man, I'm just realizing more and more that it's all about Jesus. And I never stop needing him. And it's not that I need him as an addition to enhance my life. Like my life was kind of, you know, 1.0 before Christ, and then after Christ it's kind of like 3.0. It's like he makes it a little better. No, no, no. He is life. He's not my enhancement. He's not the thing that makes it better. He is life. It's all about Jesus. When you died, your life is hidden in Christ. Who you were died. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. He's a new creation. He's new. In other words, who he was died. Who he was is gone. Now my life is hidden in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We always emphasize that all things. Everything has become new. My desires, my, 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 my zeal for life, my, where I set my attention and my affection on. It's no longer about me. My goodness, I live my life for myself so selfishly. God, I realize now it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. You see, he broke that cycle of sin and death. And when we trust in him, when we're surrounded, when we surround ourselves with the influence of his word, of his truth, of his spirit, of his grace, then it doesn't become... This thing, like too often it becomes about me trying to overcome something in my own strength. 
to where all of a sudden, oh, now look at me, look at how spiritual I am, look at all the mountains that I've faced, look at all the things that I've accomplished, look at all the things I've done. No, it was always Jesus the whole time. <laughs> it was always Jesus the whole time. Always Jesus the whole time. Here's what happens, though. Here's the cycle we get caught up in. Go ahead and throw that slide up there. The cycle we get caught up in, the sin, which always leads to what? Come on, folks. Sin always leads to death. Okay. Sin always leads to death all the time. I know some of y'all was like cheating, looking at this, going, I don't see death on the slide. I don't know if that's right or not. It looks like guilt and condemnation. I'm not sure. Sin always leads to death. That's the cycle. Sin. Now, this is a cycle that keeps spinning and spinning and continuing, and this cycle eventually leads to death. That's the end result when you spin out. But here is the cycle. You're tempted. We all face temptation. You're never going to get away from temptation. Even Jesus was tempted, right? So we got to recognize we're not going to get away from temptation. Temptation's always going to be there. It's what do we do when we're faced with temptation? How do we react? How do we respond in that moment when we are tempted? Now, too often what we do after we're tempted is we begin to have confidence in ourselves. We have confidence in our flesh and we think that somehow we can handle this on our own apart from Christ and we don't need Christ. We can do this. I got this, right? I mean, come on. I got this. I don't need this grace message. I don't need this message about Christ. I got this. I can handle this. And so when I'm tempted, I put confidence in myself, in my flesh, and that leads me to sin and to indulge in sin because what you recognize is that Oh, I can't do this. This is the reason that New Year's resolutions work so well. <laughs> and everybody does them. Yeah, exactly. New Year's resolutions are awesome. That's why everybody makes them, because they're so great. And we always stick with them, every time. So we just wait for the first of the year to fix ourselves. We spend the rest of the year figuring out what's wrong, and then we go, oh, well, it's the New Year. I'll just fix that. But you see, that's us having confidence in ourselves that I'm going to fix this. I am going to do this because I'm strong enough. I can do this. Well, because of that, I always fall when I trust in myself instead of trusting in the one who's bigger than me. I always fall. But after I fall, here's what happens too many times. The next step in the cycle is that we feel guilt because we fail. Feel like we're a failure. Feel like somehow we're not good enough as a Christian or that maybe I didn't have enough faith, or that God just doesn't like me, or maybe, you know, this sin has just got such a big grip in my life, and its claws are just so deep in me that I just, I feel so guilty, and I just feel so condemned, and I feel like I'm such a terrible person because I don't look like I have my life all together like so-and-so. I bet that, that couple never fights. They always look so happy. No, they fight. They get in arguments. They get in disagreements because we're human. But we look at someone else and go, man, they sure do have it all together. I bet you they've never had a financial worry in their life. I don't care what end of the spectrum you're on. You've had some type of financial worry. Man, look at their kids, how good they act. Man, look at my kids. Oh, my gosh. My kids hadn't bathed in three weeks. Oh, well, that's a different sermon. I mean, come on. Three weeks. Two's acceptable. No, I'm kidding. I mean, you're like, you feel like you're a failure as a parent. Look at the grades my kids bring home. Man, my kid's not as smart as so-and-so. Oh, look at that perfect little soccer mom. She looks like she has it all together. She comes out, and she's just, all of her children just line up like little ducklings, and they get in their little minivan, and they all have their little pictures on the back of their minivan, little stick <laughs> figures. And because I don't have those things, and because my kids don't look that perfect, I guess we'd, I don't have it all together. Hmm, man. I'm such a failure. And we feel all this guilt and all this shame and all this condemnation. And that guilt and that condemnation and that shame, it becomes too much. It builds up. It becomes too big of a burden to, to, to handle and to carry. And so because of that, we're tempted yet again because of that guilt, because of that shame, because of that condemnation. And then that temptation, once again, we find ourselves trusting in ourselves once again. I guess I can handle it this time. We finally get up the nerve to try to face it. We can, I can handle this. I can do this on my own. And then we sin. And then we fall. And then because of our failures, because of our falling, we feel guilty. And we feel condemned. Over and over, the cycle repeats. The cycle repeats. 
the cycle repeats. The cycle repeats. Are you kind of getting it? You cycle repeats, seeing what I'm doing? You getting that? Little jokey joke. All right. The cycle repeats over and over again. Resolutions don't work, folks. New Year's resolutions don't work because it's man relying on his strength. It's us relying on ourselves. It's us relying in our flesh, and our flesh is weak. Us relying in ourselves, and we're weak apart from Christ. But when Christ came, he made all things new. He changed what was now, what had been accepted as normal. And he made something that wasn't very normal. He made a new life that didn't look like that life that had been repeated over and over again. He set us free from all of this stuff to where we didn't have to depend on ourselves. Because, see, man was trying to depend on himself to become righteous, to become right with God, to somehow be free from the cycle of sin and death. And no matter how good man was, he couldn't break that cycle. Jesus came and broke the cycle. Check this out. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation. Look at somebody say no. no. You ain't never told nobody no before. <laughs> Look at somebody and say no. no. There you go. No. 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 No condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life, which is hid in Christ, which is all wrapped up in Christ, which is all about some Jesus Christ, has set me free. From the law of sin, that cycle, that cycle we've accepted as normal, that just keeps getting repeated, that always leads to death, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free. And because of that, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Jesus took that link out of the chain. Jesus broke the guilt and condemnation. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus said, if you'll have confidence in me, if you'll trust in me, I'll give you the strength to be able to walk through the temptation and walk free and walk free of guilt and condemnation because it's not about where you've been. It's not about what you've done in your past. It's not about what all mistakes and failures and things that you've done and made. It's about the fact that Christ has made you free and there is now no more condemnation and that should set us free from trying to prove to God that we can be worthy of his love. Come on, somebody. He welcomes us back. Think about the story of the prodigal son. Think about the prodigal son who had everything at home, but yet decided he wanted his father's, in, the, the inheritance that his father had set aside for him before his father passed away. His father gives it to him. Goes out and spends it and has all these friends because of all the money he has. Goes out and does whatever he wants to do and then he ends up broke and flat on his face. And he feels, he feels unworthy. He feels guilty. He feels condemned. And so he thinks, maybe I can go back home to my dad and maybe he'll hire me as one of his servants. Maybe I can go back and dad will maybe accept me as a servant because I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore because of all the sin that I've done. I feel guilty. I feel condemnation because I put so much confidence in myself. I feel un feel like I've been spinning on this cycle and now I finally hit rock bottom got nowhere else to turn I guess I'll see if he'll take me back so the son goes home maybe I can be taken back as a servant of my dad and the dad runs out to him dad was waiting for him looking for him sees him from a far distance the Bible says and he runs to him and he embraces his son who had been living among the pigs just looking for some pig slop to try to fill his belly And then the father says, go kill the fatted calf. Go get the family ring. Put it on his finger. Somebody go get a robe and put on this boy. Somebody get this joker a bath. <laughs> he said, let's celebrate because my son, who I thought was dead, has now come home. Isn't that awesome? Think about the bigness of God, the forgiveness of God. The restoration of God, that's a picture of the heart of God. He didn't bring condemnation. He didn't go, as soon as he saw his son, 
Yeah, see, I told you so. <laughs> told you you shouldn't have took that money and went and blew it all. Told you. Look at you now. You stink. Look at you. Eating with pigs. Look at you. You have failure. No, that's what we do to people who are broken and down and who are hurting, who are lost. It's not what God does. God says, come, just as you are. All your broken pieces, all your shame, all your scars, all your tattered past, all of your failures, all the things that have made you miserable, come. I'm not bringing condemnation, but I'm bringing forgiveness. In the book of John, in the 8th chapter, this story in the Bible is one that just continually just, just messes up my little world. John chapter 8 and verse 1, when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, he came early in the morning to come to the temple. And so here's Jesus in the temple, and a bunch of people came to him and sat down, and he taught them. So get this picture in your mind. Jesus is in the temple, just like, let's just say we're in church, and Jesus was sitting here teaching you, and this is really cool. We're, we're listening to Jesus talk. He's teaching us from the scriptures in the temple. Then the scribes and Pharisees, those religious leaders, they brought to Jesus a woman who was caught in adultery, and they set her in his midst. And could you imagine? Here I am teaching you guys, and somebody brings in somebody and says, this woman was caught in an act of adultery. You'd be like, what? <laughs> First of all, I would be like, how you? I have been alive on this earth for 31 years, and I have yet to catch someone in the act of adultery and bring them to church and throw them in front of Jesus. How you be catching somebody in the act of adultery? Unless you're one of the guys who, anyways. I'm just speaking the truth. Somebody say, pastor speaks the truth at word of grace. That's right. Because one of them jokers could have been one of the ones. I just don't know how they found this woman. But then they took this woman. Could you imagine how ashamed this woman was being set in church, being taught? You know, here's Jesus teaching. And then this woman who's caught in the act of adultery, she's already ashamed. She's already embarrassed. She's already feeling this guilt and overwhelming condemnation because now she's being dragged by these religious leaders, the church leaders, the guys who led the temple, who taught the oracles of God, guys who taught the law, found this woman in the act of adultery, brought her to Jesus, threw her down on the ground in front of Jesus as he was sitting teaching everybody. He goes, whoa, well, what's going on? And then the scribes and Pharisees, they encircle her, and they're ready to pass judgment. And they said, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act, verse 5, now Moses and the law commanded us that a woman like this should be stoned. But what do you say? And they said this, testing him, because they might have something in which to accuse him. Jesus just stooped down on the ground with his finger, and he wrote in on the ground just like he did not hear. So they continued asking him. He raised himself up and he said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down, wrote on the ground, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with this woman standing in the midst. Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. He looked at her and he said, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The story just messes me up. It wasn't like this woman, you know, like sometimes we'll be gracious and we'll forgive people, you know, like when the sin is a few years old. Oh, well, we'll, we'll forgive you because that's kind of an old thing you used to do, right? No, this woman was caught in the very act. This was a pretty fresh sin. But the, all of these guys said, all right, we're ready to condemn her. We're ready to throw stones at her. And he said, the one who doesn't have sin, cast the first stone. Jesus was the only one who didn't have sin. He was the only one who, by his own, his own rules that he just established there, could have thrown the stone. And he chose not to throw the stone. He chose to drop it. And he looked at her and he said, where are all those guys at? Where are all those people that were condemning you, those people that embarrassed you, that threw you in front of me here in the middle of a church meeting? Where are all those people at? She said, I don't see them. There's nobody here. He said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. You see, he gave her the truth that was going to help her continue to walk in that freedom, and that was go and sin no more. Because he said, listen, if, if you go back and you sin, you know, you're, you're, you're just allowing that cycle to just be repeated, and that cycle of sin is always going to lead to death. 
He's telling her, this is going to continually keep you free if you trust my word, if you trust me when I say, listen, go and sin no more because I've forgiven you. It's my grace that empowers you to be able to live out this truth. But check this out. The first thing he did was tell her, I don't condemn you. And then he said, go and sin no more. A lot of times, us church folks, we got it backwards. We want to say, go and sin no more. And then we want to say, and then I'll give you grace. Then I won't condemn you. After you have acted the way I want you to act, then I'll show you love. Then I'll show you grace. Then I'll show you acceptance. Then I'll think that you're worthy to, you know, uh, be able to converse with me or talk to me or be my friend or, 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 or worthy to come to church once you've got that figured out. Once you've got everything squeaky clean, then, you know, and, and then I'll show you grace. Go and sin no more, and then I won't condemn you. Jesus said, nope, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. That was the heart of God. The heart of God showed us that grace, condemnation that broke the chains, that grace broke the chains of condemnation and it empowered this woman to go out and receive that truth of Christ, to go and sin no more. I've got another slide I want to show you. If you go ahead and bring that up. You see, temptation and sin when they have a stronghold, when they have power in our lives, the only thing that will break that and that will begin to weaken its effect in our life is when we understand the grace of Christ and we walk in that grace and we grow in confidence in Jesus and in God's Word. When we grow in confidence in the fact that what He said is true and His grace empowers me to be able to live that truth. Not in my own strength. Because if I try to do this in my own strength, then it's just some good, you know, teaching that might help me if I can have the discipline to be able to apply it in my life. And but yet I'll fail and then I'll get condemned and I'll feel like I'm no good because I can't do it. And I'll feel like I can't do this Christian thing. It's too hard. And Jesus said, listen, grace empowers you to be able to grow in confidence in me and my word. It enables you to take these things in my word and apply them in a greater degree because you have confidence in me because you're not walking under all this guilt and shame and condemnation when you blow it. It's his grace, it's his forgiveness that empowers me, that enables me to live out the truth. And that's gospel preaching. I don't care who you are. Grace empowers me to live truth. But until I begin to walk in His grace and understand His grace, I'm constantly trying to walk it out in my own strength. And I'm always condemned when I blow it. And I always feel like I'm worthless and no good. And I always feel like giving up because it's just too hard. But it's His grace that made all things new, that broke the cycle, that changed and reversed the effects of what normal was. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He started something new. That old cycle was broken at the cross. And when you and I accept Christ and our lives, the two things that were unavoidable, sin and death, those two things now, all of a sudden, we are set free from. Because death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Worst thing you could do is kill me and I'll go to heaven. Where is the grave's victory now? I'm going to live forever with Jesus. The grave has no victory. Sin has no victory. The death, the, the, the grave has no victory anymore because of Jesus and because of his grace, because of his sacrifice. He's broken the cycle. And I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty darn excited. <laughs> that he's broken the cycle. That he's broken the cycle of sin and death. You see, you won't be happy living in sin. Anybody figure that one out? You, you, I mean, you might be happy for a little while. Because sometimes sin is fun to our flesh to indulge in selfish things. But you know, it's only fun for a little while. And then we, like the prodigal son, come to that place of realization of awakening. Where we're empty. Where we're looking for something more. And we feel condemned. And the cycle just repeats and repeats and repeats. But here's the other thing. You won't live happy trying to defeat sin on your own either. Because it's not in your own strength that enables you to walk free from this cycle. You can't. Only Jesus can, and He did. You won't be happy 
being condemned of sin. Condemnation stinks, doesn't it? It's not very fun. But you'll only find true happiness and peace when you rest in the finished work of grace that empowers you to live the truth that says go and sin no more. To break the cycle, to live free and new in Christ. Amen? Amen. So here's the next step. What do we do with this, Pastor? What do we do with this message? Here's what you do with it. I want you to take this message and I want you to read Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. I want you to read that. I want you to write that down. Read Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. And I want you to do this with your spouse or with a friend or invite someone over to your house. Maybe you can invite another family or another couple over to study these two chapters in the Word of God and to, you know, to break it down. I want you to look over this because the purpose of this is growing in God's Word, growing in His truth, understanding His truth, understanding who He is so we can take this grace message and we can internalize it and make it real to us. Because I don't just want to hear a good message. I want to make it work for my life. Amen? Amen. I'm tired of being a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer. I want to see it in my life. And so for that to happen, I've got to see it. I've got to understand it so I can know how to apply it. So I want us to read those two chapters this next week. Um, maybe at your break, uh, you know, on break at, at work. These aren't very long chapters. Um, maybe you can have a coworker, hey, come sit down with me, you know, at break, or you try to make it to where your breaks work together, or maybe you could take lunch with somebody, and you could go do it, um, or maybe you do this with your family, you know, uh, after dinner, or whatever the case may be. I want us to allow this truth of God's Word to help us realize how free we are, and how free Jesus wants us to live, because He broke the cycle. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, we grow in His Word and His grace by understanding His Word. So, for us to work on understanding his word we've got to get into his word because how many of you know that once a week shot in the arm at church isn't going to do it and i don't say that to condemn you i say that to say we need to be people of his word who are understanding exactly what christ did for us so we can live the life that he created us to live here on this earth and do the things he created us to do and so we can share it with others amen, amen. and so we need to be people of his word so take this week read romans chapter 7 and eight, so we can understand his word. Now, here's the deal. When you understand the word of God, you know how to correctly apply it then because you understand what he's saying. There's a lot of people who understand bits and pieces of the word of God, and they may not be correctly applying it. They may just take one scripture out, and they may try to build a whole religion or philosophy around this one scripture, this entire doctrine around this one scripture that is taken way out of context. They're applying it, but they're not correctly applying it. Okay? Because if you have a ministry where you're trying to teach that God wants everybody to have a golden Kohler toilet, then you have an issue with taking a scripture out of context and not understanding what true blessing is. Amen? Amen. I love Kohler. Great products. They employ a lot of you guys, and I'm grateful for them. Nice little town. But it doesn't mean that God wants everybody to just, uh, you, know, you know, pull up in a, in, in a limo and all these things. But people take scriptures and they try to make people feel like this is the gospel. This is what it's about. This is what Christ died for. Christ didn't die for that. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Christ died so we could be free from the cycle of sin and death. So we could live free of condemnation. So we could understand how big his grace is. So we could be reconnected to the Father, not in our own works, but what he did. And you all know that stuff. You're smart Bible scholars. All right. <laughs> Now, here's the deal. When we know how to correctly apply it in our lives, correctly apply it through understanding it, it empowers us by giving us confidence and excitement and passion to be able to share it. Because I can now tell you something that worked in my life. Just like that video we showed of James. You know what? He heard the word. He understood it that Sunday. And he went out, had an opportunity to apply it by changing that guy's tire. So he did. And he had the confidence to share that word with someone else because he saw it work. He shared it with all of you this morning. Why? Because he saw that the word works. The word works every single time. It's the, it, it's the fullness of Christ. It's the fullness of the gospel. It's the message of Jesus. It always has been and always will be. Amen? So I want you to write this down. Understand, apply, and share. I want you to write those things down. Because this is why we come week after week, sit under the teaching of the word. This is why we read the word for ourselves, because it's the truth that makes us free. It's the truth that makes us free. We come here and we... Hear the word so we can understand it, so we can apply it correctly, so we can have the confidence to be able to share it. 
we're understanding, applying, and sharing this word. So as you hear this grace message today, as you hear this message about breaking the cycle of sin and death and how Jesus won the victory, understand it, grow in it, apply it in your life. Be set free from guilt and condemnation. That's how you apply it. Allow it to change the way you think. The Bible says that we need to be renewed in our minds. Change the way we think by the washing of the water of the Word. He washes our minds from these horrible ways of thinking that we've been brought up. Maybe you've heard it said a certain way. Maybe you said under teaching that made you feel very guilty and condemned. Maybe people always told you you were worthless or told you God's always waiting behind the door with a baseball bat to smack you every time you do something wrong. Maybe we have distorted views of God because of things we've experienced in our lives and the way we were raised and kind of how our father figure was or our mother figure was. And because of that, we look at all authority figures that way and that's how we look at God. And we think that God hates us and he's disappointed in us and he's mad at us. Listen, folks, God's not mad at you. I'm going to say that again because somebody needs to hear it. God is not mad at you. Right. God, God wasn't mad at the woman who, got, who, who, who was brought to his feet, who was caught in the act of adultery. Instead, he showed her compassion. He showed her grace. He didn't condemn her. He said, woman, I'm about to show you how big my grace is. You can't fathom it. You can't understand it because it doesn't make sense to us. It's not normal. Because normal, we want judgment. We want condemnation. We want someone to feel bad because they hurt us because they did something wrong because they made a mistake because they did this or did that we want to point fingers and we want to pass judgment and Jesus said I'll pass judgment I'm not going to accuse you go and sin no more that's my verdict that's not normal that's abnormal to the flow of the way that we live our lives and the way that the world works because the world lives under a system of law of sin and death cycle that gets repeated over and over but Jesus set us free. Amen? Did you get that message today? Did it help anybody today? Amen. I hope that it helped you today because I want you to see how big Jesus really is. Now would you bow your heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here in this place and you say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I hear you preaching Jesus, and I recognize I need him. Just lift your hand and let me know you're here. Anyone in this place today, I see your hand. I see your hand. You can put it down. I see your hand over on the side. I see your hand. Thank you, God. I see your hand back there. Thank you, God. Anyone else? You're not doing this for me. You're doing this to acknowledge I need Jesus. You're making a public declaration. I need Jesus. You never stop needing him. We never stop needing him. So if you lifted your hand, and even if you didn't, would you just help me pray this morning and mean it from your heart because it's not the words that save you. It's your faith in the one who set us free. Church, help me pray. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart, and I trust in you that what you did on the cross was good enough to break the cycle of sin and death, to set me free from guilt and condemnation, to enable me to live free from sin and death. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to make me right with God. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name.